Chapter 2 In the silence that followed, the orange-sponged corridor walls seemed to lean inward over Stella and the nameless care-worker. There was nothing for it but to place her hopes in du o machina, although Stella had always considered it an unreliable way for playwrights of ancient Greece to get their heroes out of trouble. Perhaps Mediterranean skies, a wine-dark sea, and the best cold-pressed olive oil three times a day resulted in a certain sunny narrative optimism. Stella herself was more of the Agatha Christie or Dorothy, Dorothy Sayers philosophy of problem-solving, but there was no time for anything but do o machina now. If only the lunch tone would sound. Or Ollie would appear and distract attention from Thelma's splashing by noisily swabbing the corridor with his grey odiferous mop. She wished for anything at all to prevent discovery. A walk of shame to the warden's office, a quelling lecture, and the removal of further freedoms and privileges. Any second now, Thelma was certain to splash again. Just across the corridor, somebody opened a door, and the television inside let out a splash-masking swell of audience applause. This door-opening agent of Du Machina turned out to be the same hooded teenager Stella had seen earlier. He ran past Stella and the nameless care worker. The care worker asked, What is that boy doing here? Stella replied, Running like that, he must be up to no good. Shouldn't somebody go after him? This was not the moment to say what she really thought, that the boy was just a simple hooded teenager driven by affection, duty, or threat to visit some elderly relative. Up to no good? You've got that right anyway, dear. The care worker was already halfway down Chrysanthemum Corridor, hot on the heels of the hooded teenager. Stella muttered a fervent, Evoy! to the god in the machine and rapped on the bathroom door. Thelma, are you almost done in there? She would not offer unwanted help. She would not. I don't know how much longer I can hold the fort. Thelma's voice answered from the far side of the bathroom door. I will stay in here all day. What did you say? You heard me. In fact, I will happily die right here in this bathtub naked and warm. Just go away and leave me. Stella nodded to herself. Thelma refusing to budge from the bath was a problem she ought to have foreseen. She herself would love a good warm bath without any observers. But it was worth remembering that the silly care worker would return at any time, or another one might arrive with an official bather in tow. After a moment's consideration of the situation, Stella said, Do as you like, of course. I must say, you're a brave one. I wouldn't want them to find me dead in the bath, all wrinkled and naked as a raisin. This statement produced a moment's silence, followed by a lot of splashing, 
Stella heard the sound of wet feet on tile. Twice she heard those feet slip, and twice she had to restrain herself from entering the bathroom to help. But at last the door cracked open, and Thelma's cane chattered against the doorframe. Stella had waited the door open, and Thelma emerged with her jacket wrapped about her and her trousers clutched to her. Between bony fingers she gripped several unidentified layers of underclothes as well as one of her pairs of bright macaw-patterned underwear. That Thelma wore such bold red and turquoise underthings had surprised Stella until she realized that they were easier to find for Thelma, whose macular degeneration had left her with only a speck of visibility in her peripheral vision. Thelma appeared more flushed in the cheeks than when she had entered, and perhaps a little happier. With Thelma, it was always so hard to tell. Thelma smacked the bathroom door with her cane. It's like an ocean in there, she said. Didn't you drain the bath? Keeping her eyes respectfully averted from the bits of Thelma's flesh showing here and there, Stella reopened the door to the bathroom. If you leave a full tub behind, they'll know that somebody... Not that tub! Thelma turned away, and Kane tapping the wall made her way toward her room just across the corridor. The floor! With a feeling of doom, Stella peered inside. Thelma had left the light on, and the floor shone with little lakes and rivers of bathwater. The towel that Stella had procured, all right, stolen, from Ollie's trolley lay crumpled on the floor, as she had guessed Thelma had also left the tub brimming with soapy water. Stella picked her way across the slick tiles and turned the lever that would empty the tub, so that was all right. But the floor was quite a different matter. The thought of getting down on her hands and knees and mopping that wet floor with the stolen towel filled her with such despair that for a short time she did imagine a Greek god, Poseidon or Zeus, sending a great obfuscating flood down upon Fairmount Avenue, floating garbage bins, plant pots, and babies giggling in their prams, entering basements and kitchens and Fairmount Manor corridors, before receding again to leave everything sparkling clean and damp, including this darn bathroom floor. And if the nameless care worker returned to find Stella in this illicit mess? Just when she'd decided to do a runner and damn the consequences, Stella suddenly remembered how she'd managed long ago when she was very pregnant with her daughter, Junie, and couldn't bend down and still expect to breathe. Using her feet, she spread the towel out on the tiles. She stepped both feet onto it and, with small steps, scooched the towel around on the floor. It worked. Now what to do with this grimy, sopping thing? She couldn't put it in the empty rubbish bin for Ollie to find. She certainly couldn't carry it with her along the corridor. Looking about, she realized that the small window by the tub opened onto a laurel bush outside. One hand on the tub for support, she picked up the towel with two fingers, threaded it through the open window, and with 
a silent, appreciative farewell, watched it slip out of sight. She was halfway down Chrysanthemum Corridor when the mystery of the hooded teenager overtook her. Her first thought, when she and the nameless care worker had seen the hooded teenager running out of one of the rooms in Chrysanthemum Corridor, was that he must have a relative here in Fairmont. But then, why run down Chrysanthemum as if pursued? The easy answer was because he wanted to be on time for something, but Stella knew teenagers better than that. They ran, but not to be on time. The boy, she decided, had not been acting like a visitor or student. He had been behaving like an intruder. The nameless deer had been right after all to chase the hooded teenager, because he had no business entering that particular room. Stella had been too distracted by the care worker's questions and her own fear of discovery to notice which room the boy had come tearing out of. Now she did, and she knew well that the occupant of that particular room had no great-grandson, or indeed relatives, of any sort. The boy had been in Thelma's room. Chapter 3 Stella did not want to tell Thelma that she had seen a teenaged boy who ought to be in school at this hour exiting Thelma's room in a guilty manner. Once Thelma knew, the black Mejong box would no longer be Stella's only impossible case. Thelma would instantly dispatch Stella to investigate, track down, and punish the hooded boy. It almost sounded like fun, though. Still, the thought of chasing a quicksilver teenager along the macrame-twisted corridors of Fairmount Manor filled Stella with irresolution. She was tired, and well aware how close she had come to being discovered breaking Fairmont's rules again. Theft by outside teenagers was best left to the proper institutional authorities. But duty did drive her to cross the corridor and knock on Thelma's door. Keep out, Thelma called. I have a metal cane. I just want to know, is there anything missing from your room? Did you take something? No. Did somebody else take anything? How would I know? I'm blind. Is that you, Stella? Yes. You'd think you'd have more sense. Go away. Look for my mahjong box. There's a lot of money inside, you know. Stella sighed. About that Mejong box. You better not touch any of the money either. Just bring it back here. I just don't... Good. Now off you go. And don't come back until you have it. But can I just come in and check... No! Right. Stella shook her head in an effort to clear it. As she did, the nameless care worker who had chased the hooded teenager down one end of Chrysanthemum Corridor appeared at the other she hurried up to Stella. That young person, did he come back this way? The devil took hold of Stella. She pointed in the direction from which the care worker had just come. Yes, indeed, he went that way. Thank you very much, dear. With a distracted smile, the care worker took the opposite route 
from that which Stella had indicated, which did Stella's temper no good, so that when a moment later the same boy appeared from that same corner, she watched him sprint toward her with no feeling that she ought to sound the alarm. You're like me, she thought. We have both been operating outside the rules this morning. Still on a dash, he drew level with her. She leaned forward to see whether she could catch his eye. She thought she might communicate a message of outlaw brotherhood, but his face remained shadowed inside his hood. In fact, he didn't seem to see her at all, as if she were just another architectural feature of Chrysanthemum Corridor. Might as well sponge-paint me orange and nail me to the wall, she thought wryly. She studied his skinny, retreating backside with less friendliness than before. And then she saw what was hanging out of his jacket pocket. A jolt of recognition propelled her after him down the hallway. She knew what he had stolen and stuffed half in and half out of his pocket. She would recognize that turquoise and red fabric anywhere. Hey, you, stop! The hooded boy did not stop. He passed out of Chrysanthemum Corridor and, without a moment's inner debate, Stella hurried after him. Chapter 4 Stella's sudden resolve spurred her steps and inspired her choice of turnings as she left Chrysanthemum Corridor. She passed the door to the stairs leading up to the palliative care unit where, not long ago, she had languished alone in a hospital bed, ready, but not able, to die. She turned the handle to the stairway door, but it would not open. The elevator next to the stairs required a staff key card, so the boy was unlikely to have used it. Just then, her customary disorientation caught up with her, and she lost all sense of direction. She headed for the front foyer and found herself, instead, at the office. When she tried to find the dining room, she found herself in the section of Fairmont she called Corridor Park. There was Stella's empty chair beneath the skylight window, and Thelma's just as empty beside her. A little further along in their own chairs, the three members of the Greek chorus looked up from their stitching. Iolanth, Lucille, and Sally, the nodder, shared a knowing look. Stella ignored the look as well as she could and lowered herself into her chair, just for a moment, to catch her breath. Iolith, first voice of the Greek chorus, said, Shouldn't you brush your hair in the morning, Stella? You don't want to look, well, you know, a hopeless case. Gaga, Lucille clarified, and Sally, the nodder, nodded. It's for your own protection, Iolith added. Don't let the director see you all askew, Lucille said. Mrs. Warren is not Stella's biggest fan, Iolith agreed. I've heard Stella call Mrs. Warren the warden, Lucille said. Stella likes her little jokes, Iolith said. I certainly hope the director never hears about Stella's nickname for her, though. I'll bet the warden would love to send Stella upstairs to palliative care. Soldier on, Stella. 
Have any of you seen a boy pass through here in the last few minutes? A boy? Eilith stared. Just one? Lucille asked. I saw half a dozen, the nodder nodded. Half a dozen? Why not a whole marching band, Stella managed not to say, and further restrained herself from adding, Gaga. But Eilith picked up her cruel work again, clarified. There's a secondary school visit on. There are any number of young people down in the foyer. Right. Stella gathered her feet underneath her and, with an effort, rose to them. Sorry to always be asking directions, but can any of you tell me which is the most direct route to the foyer? Eilith and the other members of the Greek chorus exchanged another meaningful look. But they told her. 